Life from the Well is sponsored by Scratch Distillery. Located in Edmonds, Washington, Scratch Distillery crafts delicious spirits from scratch. Every batch is made by hand from local non-GMO organic grains. Head on over to Edmonds and taste the natural, delicious flavors for yourself. If you have an itch for a cocktail, go scratch it. Welcome to Life from the Well. We're here to share our perspectives with stories from the service industry. I'm your bartender, Joey. Enjoy the show. This episode from Life from the Well is served handcrafted by Barfly Mixology Gear, a line of essential tools for mixologists. Life from the Well. And joining us today... My good friend, Gary Smith, he is a uh, service, as far as his service industry experience goes, he's been a security manager and worked hotel audit, working overnight in hotels for many years. Um, so you guys can imagine that's going to bring us a lot of great stories. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we always start off with a shot. Uh, mm-hmm. We queued you up. You got your shot. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm Brian, you got yours there? All right. <laughs> it's that Trader Joe's tequila. <clears throat> it's not bad. And it's like $13 for a liter. That's not bad at all. Yeah, it's a good deal. It's a 100% agave. And, and, it's a, and it works. Uh, it's good for cocktails and stuff. For shooting, it's a little rough, but... I've always found that tequila is always a little rough to shoot. Well, except for me, the pearl silver. The smoother it gets, I think the the less you want to shoot it, anyways. <laughs> so that's kind of the point of shooting something, in my opinion, anyways. Is like it's usually to get something rough down quick, right? <clears throat> but or just to have an have an intended effect happen immediately, also a little faster than it would normally. Exactly. Yeah, and, and in this case, as far as the show goes, it gets us loosened up nice and quick. <laughs> and a lot of people, you know, tend to come on with a little bit of nerves, and so it's nice to have that little shot right there and just kind of realize, ah, we're just we're just friends hanging out. That's all it is. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen you. You look great. Ah, you too, man. You it's too. good to see that the vampirism hasn't gone too far and still drinking the blood of virgins to stay young. <laughs> hey, that's how you do it. <laughs> that is. <laughs> There's, I thought being a serial killer was the key. There's tricks. There's tricks. You don't have to kill them. You can just uh, leech the blood off. That's why you have familiars from where they hang out. We are just talking about this earlier in my D&D game. We were, we were talking about whether we should kill this crab or bring the crab along as a pet. I was saying we could bring the crab along because the live crab stays fresh longer. You know, so that's a, Oh, shit. Yeah. Very good deal. point. He's got a bandage or a rubber band up the, you know. Snap the the problem is feeding it along the way, though. Mm. Crabs are scavengers. So are halflings. Mm. A lot of competition. Yeah, and, and as far as familiars go, whatever. Yeah, they feed themselves. That would be an awesome familiar. <laughs> of course, your <laughs> wizard wouldn't be able to get laid for a long time. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. This is me and my crab. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm taken. Goodbye. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> a wizard has crabs. <laughs> that's, <uh-oh. laughs> that's a common thing. We, yeah, I think that joke actually came up today too. 
shout out to the silver wing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think they've all been on the show except for my sister. So she's the what? what? Why hmm? not? She should be like the number two person on your show. She's not invited. No, I'm just kidding. I love Maria. Who knows? Maybe she she will come on one day. She, she, she will. If she has some stories to tell, there's enough demand. I would love to. Do, I, love, I would love it. <laughs> this is fun to do. It's a fun place to just kind of come and hang out and have a little. Like I said, one of the things I wanted from the show early on was it was like having uh, having those bar conversations without having to actually bartend. You know, you just kind of sit down and get the social part without the demand of you know people wanting me to make drinks for them <laughs> other than the one that I'm talking to, I guess, because initially this started out live, right? Where we would sit in person and I would make drinks for everybody in the room. But whatever. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, we did our shot. Let's jump into your resume. I did. I talked a little bit about um, what you've done, but in your own words, um, why don't you share with, with the listeners, um, kind of your, your resume as, as, a, as a professional in the industry, you know, where, where you've worked, what, what, what got you into security um, or night audit or, um, and then, uh, and then kind of what was your favorite? You know, I, I've been doing corporate security for 20 plus years. Ever since I got out of the Marines, just kind of been, you know, jumping here. I worked at Gateway Computers. You remember the old cow spotted boxes. Got into uh, security, worked my way up to a couple different companies. I managed a branch for uh, one computer business or, or security business. Um, I worked at Microsoft for five years, and that's a security nightmare. Um, I mean, we averaged probably like a medical emergency a day, a fire emergency every three days. Yeah. Um, at Microsoft? And Microsoft, you you got to remember that that campus up there, it's like twelve, fifteen thousand people. It's a small city, yeah. yeah. And you're not dealing with the most socially inept people. I mean, that's <laughs> true. But uh, I think, lack of uh, not not so much common sense, right? So, yeah, I would say smart smart people, just not a lot of common sense. They're brilliant people, but let me tell you something: you put them in the streets of downtown New York, they mm -hmm. will last a week. You put them in downtown Seattle, and that's where they thrive. Where they multiply there. They yeah. <laughs> that's that's just where. That's yeah, where. as long as they stay close to the lights. Um, <laughs> so, well, actually, so I would say downtown Seattle previous pre-COVID, current yes. COVID, nobody's downtown Seattle. I've been. Um, I, I don't know if I've talked about it much on the show, but I'm, I'm. I think I did a little bit last episode, but I've been back to work, um, and so I'm working downtown a little bit, and it's very. Um, Interesting yeah. to see down there. <laughs> kind of like a Walking Dead kind of vibe going on. It really is, man. Uh, honestly, we, the, the, that exact description was used the other day when I was talking to some of my friends while we were working downtown. There's, I mean, it's, uh, you know, when 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 pandemic when the shutdown started, the the, the houseless kind of took over the city blocks. You know, uh, there were tents just kind of set up everywhere, all over, mm -hmm. and and. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, no, it's just boarded up windows, heroin needles, like all over the street or drug needles. I don't even know if they're just heroin anymore. Um, you know, and there, there's just kind of this unkempt and then the energy is very like just static, like every, just anxious, like everybody's kind of nervous walking around. There's just, 
it's really it's a really weird like post-apocalyptic kind of vibe <laughs> really. a lot of, yeah. well it destroyed a lot of people's comfort zones i mean normally people mm -hmm. who like to go out and you know people watch and walk in the parks and they're now putting their lives out on a chance that they're going to get an infection mm -hmm. you know so now they you know going against the grain of what they're used to to doing it was a daily life yeah um, that, that puts a lot of people in defensive mode you see you know and, and that's why i see you know the stories about all these karens popping out hmm. well, you know they can't go out and have margaritas yeah. with the girls anymore get their I, I think i think all the, all the 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 fact that the world is seeing all the karens pop up is one, one one reason is because they don't have restaurants to act out in anymore and so their their aggression is being targeted in other places or just in a more enhanced manner too you know the, the karen mentality at least it's a karen's it's funny we joke about that because we have i you know we have friends i actually had a lady come in who called on the phone the other day at the pizza place i work at and she's it's like can i take a name for the order and she said karen and I was like, uh-oh, you're going to cause a problem? And she's like, oh, stop. <laughs> but, um, but even still, there's still that, you know, that, that, that persona or, you know, that everybody knows it as now. It, 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 we've been dealing with them for years in restaurants. And, and that's kind of been a daily thing. And so now it's funny to see everybody else find it. It's kind of seen. Oh, well, we've good. experienced on a day-to-day -day basis almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just commonplace. I mean, it's just one of those things we brush off to a certain extent. But um, it's funny. It's funny seeing people try to try to. Or I don't know. I'm happy to see it brought to light because it's definitely not a, a great way to treat people. And so well, anytime, anytime, same same as like the screaming chef. You know, anytime you see some something where you're like, yeah, people will just do that. But it's shitty. It's, it's nice to see that there's an end to that. But it, yeah, it adds validity to everything that you and I have always joked about and told to other people. And they're like, no, whatever. You know, oh, that's funny. That's funny, Joey. Yeah. But mm -hmm. now when they see it yeah. and it unfolds in, in front of them, all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, Joey and Gary were right. <laughs> right? And we're like, we're like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's crazy people out there that are mad, yeah. respectful. And, you and know, you're going to have to deal with four or five of these people on a Friday night. Yeah, regulars. <laughs> some of them keep coming back to see you for some reason. Like, <laughs> They, they want to see if they've pushed the envelope any further. Or they just like that you don't react, you know. So, so many people would react to them. If you don't react to them, then they may just think that that's... Yeah. They're like, oh, that guy's safe. I what I wonder, though, is if they keep coming back to see if we react, or has a thought ever crossed their mind that maybe one day I'll snap and throw punch him across the bar? <laughs> I, I think I um, mean, that, that's no, a real that's concern the, for me. That's the safety of it, though, is, is, is that, uh, you know, as a bartender, you can't, you can't do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> You can, but you're looking for unemployment after you get yeah. out of your 30 days in jail. Yeah, yeah. Typically, we try to be hands off. That's where we call security in, and that's that's why you have worked in the security field. And and accidents do happen when injecting people from locations. There's always going to be a conflict, right? I mean, oh, about the this best before. one that I had that got in trouble with the police. Mm -hmm. um, a couple guys were touching a woman that she didn't want to be touched. So I told them to leave. They were mm -hmm. drunk, didn't want to listen. So I, you know, 
told him he had to go and he grabbed me by the collar, grabbed him by the neck, mm -hmm. started to walk him out the door. Yeah. His buddy jumped on my back. Well, the bar back jumped on him, pulled him off. I threw this guy on the ground. He's drunk. He's stumbling like a wet spider on top of a sheet of ice. And I grabbed him and I went to pitch him out the door. Grabbed him by the back of the belt. I thought I'd push the door open all the way, but I did not. So so as I was launching him forward, the door was coming back. Oh, shit. Put him through the window. Did the window break? Yes. So when the cops showed up, they kind of laughed. I got a ticket, a citation. Uh -huh. Nobody was pressing any charges. But, when uh, was he all cut up? No. Oh, he had a bruise on his head. Sure. But I guess, uh, if I remember part. correctly, the glass like broke into four different pieces of large shards. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That's scary, too. Yeah. That's so, I'm sure. He had a, a nice little egg right there on his head. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty standard. Though. I mean, if you're being a dick and you're getting walked out, there's a good chance that your face is going to be the thing that opens the push door. I mean, I think it should be a standard operating practice. Not necessarily the door swinging back, so you're getting kind of that contact. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, I, I think I had a story on the show before where I was walking a guy out of the restaurant. We had two sets of double doors, and you could push both of them open. So I just kind of, I had his wrist, I was holding his wrist, and I had like his uh, collar. And so, you know, he was kind of doing one of these, mm -hmm. but like head down, arm up, twisted kind of thing. And so it was like <laughs> through, through both the doors. And I got tackled too. His friend tackled me, but then coworkers were quick to intervene. We got them outside. You want to see the with the uh, with moderate conflict? I witnessed the fastest woman in the Pacific Northwest back in '97. Mm -hmm. I'm checking ID. She's at the door. She gives me her ID. She's old enough. I'm checking her out. I said, "Hi, how's it going? Great." So you're here to have a couple of drinks? No, I'm here to meet somebody. And I'm still looking at her ID, and I said, oh, here you to meet my husband. And she walks past me like, mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, I got this bad vibe. So I'm like, uh-oh. So I followed her. I'm literally like two feet behind her. And there her husband was sitting on a bar stool with this blonde on his lap. And within 12 to 15 seconds, I realized I'm just two feet behind her. Uh -huh. She has backhanded the blonde off of his lap. Uh, he looks over his shock, and with the right hand, she slaps him not once, but twice <laughs> before I could even grab her. Lightning. I was like, holy shit, she's fast. <laughs> and I grabbed her, and she was fighting me so bad that the centrifugal force was picking her up, and I just walked her out. But it was, I mean, I was amazed. She was just, mm -hmm. <laughs> she didn't even know what was going on. The blonde yeah, the didn't know what was going on. The lightning bolt came through the door and smacked everything in the world. Oh, man. She came in there. She she knew who her target was, where he was at, and what kind of force she was using. Yeah, she had, that's a dangerous woman. She had a mission, and she did not question what she was going to be doing. But see, that's just some of the things that I've learned bouncing in a bar is men fight for position. Mm -hmm. They always want to see who's the badass, who's the number one. Mm -hmm. That's their Once they've established that position, there's no more conflict. Mm -hmm. Women, though... Women fight for possession. They're man, they're hmm. drink, they're friends. So it becomes a little more passion and flame, fuel. You can say that. So they fight, they fight. They fight with purpose versus like just just for. Kind of a social casting. 
So yeah. I, I always learned that if there's a girl fight going on, I never try to break it up in between. Mm -hmm. I always take one side or the other and try to head off. Yeah, don't get in the middle. You're going to get that. That's dangerous. Because then you become the target. All of mm -hmm. a sudden, it's like, oh, you're preventing me from having my shit done. You become the oh, target of both, of both of the attackers. <laughs> and that's why. That's, that's preventing them from solving their problem, and you become yeah. the problem. And then with, you know, men, it's a little easier. You know, oh, you guys are all number one. Oh, here's your mm -hmm. sticker. Go have a drink. Oh. And it's over and done with for the most part, you know, okay. until they start laughing. Come on, guys, let's go. Well, it, it can, yeah, it, it can be solved as long as it doesn't get to the point of using weapons. Yeah. Um, I don't know well, about I think the, the, I mean, alcohol really has a, a, a factor in that, too. I think people, people tend to, I mean, to, at a certain point, you know, the, the violence is incited. Uh, when alcohol is involved, your inhibitions are lower. You're much more right. likely to be aggressive and, and engage in conflict or engage in conversations that you wouldn't normally, um, I think, you know. And so it's one of the things that I uh, I, I tried to implicate in, in my relationship is to never have any, uh, never have any relationship topic, uh, conversations while drinking. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, shit gets emotional, and then and then and then you just get unreasonable, and then you don't think about it. But if you if you you know if if you can, if you have the presence of mind to just think about things before you say them, you can save yourself a lot of arguments. And a lot of times, it's 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 common sense. You know, you got to realize, even the, I don't know how drunk you can be, but realize where you're at, and kind of realize where this is going to go mm -hmm. when you're stupefied that goes out the window but if you even yeah. if you've got a, a nice little buzz going you're still going to have that this is where i'm at this is what i should you know let's, let's pow it down a little bit mm -hmm. but yeah. Uh, yeah there's that line you cross though right so you just that's one of those things that i think as far as like alcohol education goes and 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 something that I feel like should be part of culture it's 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 understanding what alcohol does to your body and and knowing how many drinks affect you in what way and so and having like the presence to know how many drinks you've had and to know what will happen if you you know have a few more especially in this time frame all these things that like I feel like a lot of our our, our knowledge around that is is just stuff we learn, you know, over trial and error. It's not something well, that's ever taught to us by, by, for the most part. I mean, I imagine there's probably caring parents that, that educate their kids on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but there's nothing like on a grand scale. You just get people telling you that it's either bad and horrible and ruin your life, or it's the best thing ever. That there's, there's that you know, there's there's a lesson in moderation, you know. And then, and that's the thing that I've taught my kids. You know, they don't obviously they're not drinking. They're not be drinking. <laughs> Um, but I told them to have like health, healthy understanding of it, right? Well, I want them to have respect with it. Mm. One, one of the things that I've enjoyed in my last couple of years is not necessarily drinking as much as it is the art of brewing and mm -hmm. making the crap the of it. Yeah, because there are some traditions that haven't changed for thousands of years. Yeah, but there are others that take time, you mm. know. And then there's you know you've got your quick multi-billion-dollar you know, companies have got the huge 
50 billion gallon, you know, yeast pipes. And it, for me, it's, it's all about the craft in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, Making a quality product instead of just trying to mass produce. Right. But when you're 21 and 22 and you're sitting with your buddies, you don't give a shit if you're killing a 12 pack of black label. It was two ninety nine right. at the seven eleven. You're yeah. there to get hammered. Well, you're drinking but, for effect, not necessarily. Uh, exactly. You're not, you're not quite to the point of appreciation. <laughs> That's the inexperience talking. Yeah, yeah. Then of course, when you're experienced, you get to enjoy that $1,200 shot of whiskey. Mm-hmm. You know, or or that you know, that bottle that came from Ireland that was smuggled in from your uncle Jim's suitcase. Yeah, you right. Know? So you you appreciate that you you admire the craftsmanship that was put into it. You well, plus the story the, that comes along with that too, right? I mean, especially oh. something like a bottle that was brought, you know, that that was like brought somewhere. Like there's there's a whole adventure attached to it, and so yeah. it, it makes so, it taste like ten times better just because you know that yeah. somebody somebody went through a process to bring it to you. So when my grandfather died, my did that. He uh, brought a bottle of Irish whiskey all the way from Ireland to Canada to mm-hmm. Washington. Nice. Up to customs. And mm-hmm. oh my God, it was some you of the best it? stuff. You could smell the, the, the loam in it. You could smell the earth out of it. Mm-hmm. And we just started taking shots all night. It was great to see my grandmother drunk. I mean, I've never seen my grandmother drunk in my whole life. And here she is when she was drinking and when she was drunk, she'd talk with her eyes closed. So every time you knew she was going to say something, she'd start to close her eyes. So uh-huh. she had to focus for the words to come out. You're like, oh, everybody shut up, shut up. Grandma's going to yeah. say <laughs> But I remember the flavor. It was so smooth. It was like putting silk on my tongue. And you could smell the, the loam from mm-hmm. the inside of the handmade bottle. It was a, it was a clay play bottle and it was oh, cool. amazing. Nice. No one, there is a that tra- tragedy of of how it was snuck in and the tragedy of how it was made and the process that they went through. Mm-hmm. But then you hear you know the stories about how you know potatoes helped you know a small Russian community stay alive during the cold winters because they made some superb vodka. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. for me, I think as I get older, I appreciate the, the the craftsmanship and the stories behind the process as much as it is the beverage itself. For sure, I think that's um, that's actually a big part of this show, and, and uh, oh, yeah. or at least a segment of this show is, is when we jump into the history of drinks and 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 um, just kind of delve into like because every cocktail has its own unique story. You know, and, and a lot of them have multiple claims, which makes it even more fun because, you know, that there's just so many people that care and some people feel that that's just their legacy. You know, sometimes they're just leaving cocktails or, or a bar or, or a spirit. Um, and so there's there's so much culture wrapped up in in, uh, in the world of, of alcohol and kind of what we do. And, you know, I think the, to understand it and to really know, like, yeah, to appreciate it in, in, in a moderate level, especially because, you know, it does have the power to ruin the life, you know, and, and really crush you and become overwhelming, um, you know, to, to find a balance with it and to be able to appreciate it um, on, on a healthy level. You know, you, you can really see how, how it's benefited culture um, back thousands of years. And, and so. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's the thing is that everybody always focuses on the beverage you know mm-hmm. oh hey this is i think 
like the gun in America, the American bar is a piece of Americana. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the cocktails, and that I mean, it, it's it's it, the the bar itself is is something very American, and and uh, absolutely the cocktail, the the creation of like spirits is is an American invention. You know, it's it, it just kind of creativity and ingenuity, and, and um, but yeah. you you got to think about it though. In in the nineteenth century, what places did you have that you could congregate as a group? Mm-hmm. Is it the church and the saloon? That's it. Yeah, and, um, and I was like, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were saying I think it was the Port Orchard when it was built, Port Orchard, Washington. Mm-hmm. The, the, the teetotalers were coming in, and they were pushing hard. There were too many bars, and so they had this. God, I, I don't want to misquote this, but whatever, we can bleep the town out if we need to. But uh, the the there was an ordinance that said that there had to be a church for every bar that was built. So you couldn't have more bars than churches in the town to, to keep a cap on, on, you know, that community and trying to, trying to corral people more to the churches. than the bars. And that sounds like a winemaker. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. Now, yeah. See, look at this. Stan, yeah, we can totally sell a wine at church too, and a bar. Mm-hmm. We got it on Saturday and Sunday. We're making double sales here. Right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, that, but that depends on the church too, because the ones I grew up in, we drank grape juice. We didn't drink wine because they were teetotalers. You know, they were they were the Baptists. We're Lutheran. We yeah. like our wine. Yeah, fair enough. I appreciate that. I I, I as a uh, as a recovered Baptist, I like my wine too. So. Yeah. Um, awesome. So what what. Did we go over your, your favorite role that you've done uh, in the industry? Like what, where you've kind of found your niche and what you really enjoy? I think what I found was when I was working at Microsoft, I was a personnel supervisor. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was just a couple of years after 2001, mm-hmm. uh, 9-11. Yeah. Um, the security industry was just going up leaps and bounds. I mean, it was a $36 billion a year magnet for, mm-hmm. for money. Um, Homeland Security had just gotten into existence. Um, So there was a lot of people that were really concerned about their corporate footprint, you know, being a target, if you will, for Al Qaeda. Um, And Microsoft was a legitimate target. Um, But I think the home of the Internet. Sure. Sure. Um, The best, though, was working there. Um, I was the lead responder, lead security officer on a FEMA-sponsored, Homeland Security-funded mass casualty drill. Mm. They took 150 students from Redmond High School. I mean, they injured them all up. Uh, Like the drama club? Yeah. Well, this is like a lot more than just the drama club. Well, I guess more than 150. That's a lot of kids. If it had 150, Mm. it's a damn good drama club. (laughs) But yeah, a lot, so they got, a lot they of geeks and, and, and doctored them up. And, or yeah, Hollywood and they had and stuff. 16 fire departments that responded, four police departments. We had Homeland Security there. My job was to secure the scene with my officers, um, make sure that we set up a perimeter, that we had uh, set up a temporary command station until um, proper authorities showed up and we passed the torch on to whoever the commander was 
But I mean, here I am, I've got smoke, I've got people screaming, crying, I've got, you know, fake body parts here, I've got, you know, dead people, live people. And my job was to go through and be the first one there to sort it all out. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm telling fire department, you can't go down this way, no, you can transport them over there, you need to bring that over here, the helicopter's gonna land on the soccer field, police need to support me, you know, on this corner and this corner. This is me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is this is me running sixteen fire departments and four police officers for about yeah. five hours. That's Meanwhile, awesome. they're sitting out the command bunker or the little trailer and trying to figure out where they want to triage. Mm-hmm. You know, I got people screaming in my ear, yeah, I got fire department here, yeah, I got the police in here, yeah, I got this lady's looking for her son. Mm-hmm. You know. So that was my job and that was probably That's in the zone. Man, it was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I learned from that is it's always important to know your environment before you step into an emergency. Hmm. A lot of people, that, they'll see find, that. What's sorry. that? Go ahead. You talk. I'll, I'll ask no, you. They see that accident that happens on the side of the road, you know, the car is smoking, the front end screen, and the woman's passed out in the driver's seat. Hmm. They always rush to that scene. But you talk to any first responder, firefighter, ambulance, police, they're going to tell you, double check the scene. That's only a part of the story. We don't know what caused the accident. We don't know why it's happening, but you need to make sure that the scene is safe for you because if you're not safe, there's going to be two casualties. Yeah. With this drill, I, I learned that it doesn't matter who's screaming at me, whose arm I'm picking up off the ground, you know, whose blood I've got on my hands, even though it's fake. Mm-hmm you got to keep in perspective that this is happening and you have to set yourself like a timeline or a plot line. Okay. I need to do this. Now I need to do this and stay focused on that while watching what's going on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that you can't help and do. And the sad thing is, is and I learned this is that you're not going to be able to help everybody. Sure. You know, that's well, the I mean, I think that's a lesson in the world that people, I mean, whether, whether it's a situation like that or, or anything, I think that there's always going to be a percentage of, you know, the, the, of people that you can't help. And, and that's always, and I mean, that's, that, that's just something to accept, not as a failure, but just, just as, as a reality, as reality. And to know that to show the diversity in humans, like we, we all have different needs and, <laughs> you know, depending on the situation, you know, sometimes it's just not something that you have the ability to do and you can't let that hold you back from your tr- from your purpose. Well, my grandfather always taught me, he says, you can't help others if you can't help yourself. Mm-hmm. There, and there's no point in giving everything that you've got to somebody else and letting you starve because right. it just doesn't work that way. Well, that's that airplane mm-hmm. drill mentality, right? You, you put mm-hmm. the mask on yourself before you put it on your kid. Yeah, because exactly. if you can't breathe, you're going to die, and they're going to die too. You know, you're, and that's the same thing. We're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with one person that's on the ground. Mm-hmm. They're badly mangled from the plane crash, and you've got another person who's awake. Unfortunately, you would like to help this person, even though they're still breathing. But the reality is, you spend all your resources, time, and effort on that one. It's a lost cause. You're wasting your mm-hmm. time. You have a better chance with this one over here who's able to respond mm-hmm. and, and get the help and have a better chance of recovering than this person down here. Sure. And that's just, you know, firefighters make those kind of calls on a daily basis with mass mm-hmm. casualties. 
you know, police officers make that sign, you know, that military thing too. I mean, do you think that was probably part of your military experience that, that, uh, you know, lent to some of your strength there? A little bit. Mm -hmm. the, the problem is with the military experiences, it's what I do think for, for my military experience is the fact that it, it allowed me to be able to focus and maintain a level of alertness and awareness mm -hmm. no matter what the hell's going on. I mean, I could have a guy two foxholes over who's gotten hit by a grenade and he goes up and little bloody mist. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm not going to go break down and cry because it just killed Johnny. I'm going to make sure my ass is covered and I'm going to make sure everybody else knows that Johnny just got to vaporize and let's kind of come up with a plan of action and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. That's the thing is that people put so much motion into some of these events that they don't think straight. I was just going to say, that's really a, that's a, that's a, it's a great example of, of kind of, I don't want to say emotional mastery, but definitely, definitely having control of your emotions in a moment or, you know, ha having the cognitive ability to look past kind of what you're feeling and focus on a target and realize that you will feel whatever you feel later, but there's still stuff that needs to be done. And if you don't act now, then it could cost you your life as well. Right. Or, you know, something maybe not as great, but well, definitely correct. That you you implement that on a, a daily basis yourself in the customer service world. Mm. You know, you've got a customer who says, oh, you know, like, Joey, I don't have enough money. I can't cover this. Or, mm. you know, I've got my daughters, you know, coming and they, you, they give you these sob stories or they give you these passion pleas. And what do you do? You listen, you take it in, you feel that compassion but you don't allow it to affect what your first and foremost priority is. And that is to make money for the ownership. That's mm. why they hired you. Right. Sure. You may be giving them a free dessert. Sure. You may understand a little bit and give a little bit of a bend of an ear, just in case you're hearing about how she lost her thumb for the fifth time because of a chainsaw accident, but you've learned to control how you really feel about them whether it's a Karen or it's an actual person who has an issue, <laughs> focus on what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like because that. even though you'd love to be able to take this person all the way to, you know, Purdy because their car broke down and they don't have any gas, mm -hmm. you're not going to do it. Yeah. Because you got to think about your livelihood and you got to think about your well-being of you. And There's got, you know, well, that's understanding your capability and the limit on what you have to offer, right? Exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, if they, you know, they try to tug on those heartstrings, mm -hmm. sometimes it gets pretty difficult. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. I, there's definitely times where I, you know, I bought people dinner, but that, that's also just been like, you know, from my own pocket, there's somebody who's just hungry and they just need food. And so you do that, but but it's it's also something that I feel like you have to be careful with, and especially in the city, because people become to rely on that, and so you have to, you know, like you said, just weigh those situations, and and, and that's absolutely true, though. I mean, people rely on that. It's yeah. almost like that's their job, mm -hmm. um, you know. And I I I'm not saying be cold-hearted, but what I am saying is, you know, give enough but don't give too much. 
go within your resources. Well, there's that old adage about, you know, giving a man a fish or teaching a man to fish, right? But it's, yeah. it's about what, you know, it's about, like a lot of times, just about your time and your focus, you know, and, and a lot of people just want to be seen for a minute. I mean, we're not trying to be sound like we're assholes or anything. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It's going weird with that one. It's getting, yeah. getting sad. Uh, oh, I'm starting to cry. Sorry. <laughs> no, but okay. I think the world, too many people have taken advantage of the kindness of others, and it starts to taint that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird because there's there's so many people that want to do good and there's so many people that need good done that you just got to like find ways to find ways to make people that want to help able to help and then there's a lot left happy medium yeah you know create situate not everybody has the ability to, to go do something but if there was something happening that they could join on the other hand like they, you know you can't create a a, a, a homeless shelter to feed homeless on Sunday, but you could go and volunteer. And right. You, you can give your time, but you can't or, give your place. Yeah. Same thing with customer service. If I got a guy who's got a hotel room and he wants to get it for a hundred bucks, mm -hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll knock a couple of dollars down. Sure. I'll give you a little break. Well, you can't give it to me for a hundred. No, <laughs> you're going to get it for 140. Why not 100? If you knock it down to 140, you can't knock it down even more? No. It's like we're not haggling. This is, this is, this is not Monty Python's thing or deal here. Come on. No, it, this is a business. I'm here to make money. Mm -hmm. You're looking for a place to stay. I have a place to stay and I need to make money. I'm cutting you a little my, discount. My boss knows my code. He's going to see me giving that away. He's going to wonder why I'm cutting into his profits. Exactly. And then... His profit loss ends up with my raise loss. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, so the, the cocktail time is what we're jumping into. Um, the cocktail you mentioned was the Crown and Coke. Um, so I'm going to go a little more basic on that and just go whiskey and Coke. Um, I guess bourbon and Coke, more generically called bourbon and cola, is basically the same drink except not identifying a particular brand of whiskey. While the term Jack and Coke specifically identifies Jack Daniels as a brand that's used in Coke. Um, the, the first known mention of the drink made by mixing whiskey with cola, Coke, was in 1907. Um, so it goes back a bit. Uh, it was... Um, an employee of the United States Bureau of Chemistry and Soils who encountered the drink when visiting the South and said the proprietor called called it a Coca-Cola highball, which makes sense because a highball back in the day, um, like pre-prohibition and pre-prohibition time, a lot of times they would give you um, a glass of ice and then a bottle of soda and then that was called a highball and then you would have your flask in your pocket and so you would you would pour your whiskey in the glass and top it with soda, and so you could drink what looked like soda, but it was actually a whiskey and soda. Um, that was really kind of the elevation of actually even that 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 boot that exploded during prohibition, mm -hmm. um, and that was actually where Coca Cola really found their footing in America, <laughs> um, and and they they got their they got their grip on the or they got into just about every restaurant 
um, because the restaurants couldn't serve alcohol, um, but they could serve mixer essentially. And that was basically what Coca-Cola was originally sold as was mixer. Um, but then teetotalers, you know, <laughs> people that would drink with this and enjoyed the flavor of it without the alcohol. And so, and, and I think the kids and stuff, you know, it became a, and then it just became kind of a cultural norm. You know, Coca-Cola is the largest company in the world. I think it's one of the largest companies in the world. They're, they're large enough to make China back down on things. So they're pretty big. <laughs> a lot of caffeine not getting drunk. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it originally had cocaine in it. So think about that. Well, think about that. They, they got, they got. I am. That's why I'm smiling. <laughs> smiling, but think about how addictive cocaine is. They got the entire country addicted to cocaine, and then, and then made him quit cold turkey. But then gave him like this diet cocaine, with the you know upped caffeine and and sugar content. Um, think of all the alcoholics they started too. Ah, uh, yeah. How many people start? How many people were drinking whiskey and coke because of the cocaine up? And they're saying it was just something fun. There's there's a lot of like shady uh, <laughs> shady moves, you know, back in the day. But it's you know it's all, you know, the the the, the benefits of capitalism and, and the corporate world slowly taking over the country. Um, yeah. So highball, <laughs> the Coca-Cola highball was was what the Jack and Coke was originally referred to as, or the bourbon and Coke, I should say. Um, nowadays. Ever since 2016, if you are a fan of the band Motorhead, you probably refer to a Jack and Coke as a Lemmy. Um, And in in his passing, that was actually, um, I think it was uh, Food and Beverage Magazine um, officially changed the the name of the Jack and Coke to a Lemmy because that was his drink of choice through life. Um, uh, And what do we got? One more more fun fact here. the popularity of the Jack and Coke combination in 2005 was on the rise among 21 to 34 year olds. So yeah, it, uh, that was really, uh, it's been around for well over a hundred years now. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a, I mean, Coke has become a, a, a one of the top mixers, I think for every spirit. It's well, not like true with tequila, but, but vodka, whiskey, rum, the rum and Coke, you got the Cuba Libra, vodka. Coke. It's all American. Focused on that. Hmm? So that's all Americana. It's all focused on that. It's all American history. When you think whiskey, you think American. When you think Coca-Cola, you think American. Yeah. A Peace Cola, similarly constructed cocktail made of Pisco and Cola. Nice. That's fun. Hmm. So that's our uh, that's our drink of the day, the whiskey and Coke. Um, I'll probably you, you you prefer Crown, the the Canadian blend. You know, which I'm, I I I, uh, I'm a quarter I, French Canadian. What can I say? I got to support my country. <laughs> That's it. I mean, we're here in Washington State. We're right across the border. So, I mean, I, I grew up kind of Crown Royal has always been a fixture in every bar I've ever worked in. I feel like it's uh, we get a lot of Canadians in our bars here, and, and they request it a lot. So, if you don't have it, they uh, they throw a fit. We're not going to carry Labatt's, but we'll carry Crown. <laughs> but uh, I, I may make it with Jack just because uh, that was the Lemmy, and so that might be fun for the video. They're using yeah. that term. See how many pick up on it. Olivia, yeah, you kind of have to be in a in a Grammy bar that has a lot of metal on the jukebox, probably to, to get a bartender that knows what's going That's on. That's the other thing. What happened to these bars? I mean, remember when we used to go to the bars? There was the 
freaking metalheads. You had the fucking leather jacket. You walk in there and all you smelled was like a cowhide store because there's so much mm-hmm. black jackets on. Yeah. You know, they got the fucking rock and roll, you know. Mm-hmm. Now it's just you know, skinny think- jeans and fucking glasses. I wear skinny jeans. They're more comfortable. No, stop turning. <laughs> See, the ones I got, they're stretchy, and so they basically fit like uh, like sweatpants. And we so, call them sweatpants. Well, but they have a zipper and pockets, and you can move around in them, and they look like black jeans. And so they're really, they're perfect for bartending. <laughs> they don't split in the ass when you squat down to get something out of the reach end, which I've had happen with dickies and dress pants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I remember some of them. Red Roof Inn in Lakewood, man. Somebody was always thrown out at that place. Rock and roll all the time. The Red Roof Inn? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that place. I feel like there's still there's still divey rock and roll bars. Five Points still around. Well, I mean, not right now. There's nothing, right? So all bars are just non-existent at this point. Unless they serve food, then they can be open as a restaurant. At least yeah. in our state, there's no bars. <laughs> Listen, some of the girls that had that high hair with all that aquanet, I wouldn't want them touching my food at all. <laughs> like it's some sort of chemical poisoning. <laughs> Is that salt in there? No, it's my aquanet spray. Sorry. Take <laughs> <laughs> off. I'll have to put some more on. <laughs> oh, man. The hairs. I'm glad that there's not that much, there's not too much hairspray in the bathrooms anymore. Nope. Used to be threatened with a random can of hairspray and a lighter every once in a while. Like, oh. <laughs> um, sweet. I uh, I have tasting notes, but we're not drinking that drink. How do you feel about a whiskey and coke? What's your favorite taste of it? You know, I like a whiskey and coke. The reason being is that it's sweet, and depending on the whiskey, it's it's. It, it just, it's like a dessert. It mm-hmm. really is. You know, I can't drink it before a meal, but afterwards, man, yeah. I just. I feel like that used to be my go-to drink throughout my whole 20s. Like, that was like every rock show I'd go to and just feel like a Jack and Coke or a well, Yeah, it definitely was. With a Crown and Coke, man, mm-hmm. I could hit that morning, noon, or night. Yeah. Now, the downside is, thanks to God and me getting older, my diabetes doesn't quite like all that soda. Yeah, they got to switch uh, in with soda water or something. Exactly, but they've got you know, good. Coke Jack and Zero. Soda is not bad. No, it's not. It's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know. I I've always enjoyed it as a staple. Nice, nice. Right on. Cool. Well, let's jump. Uh, let's jump into our uh, personal experience category. So. I'll just go straight to that Peter story if you still have it on deck because okay. it'd be a good time to. So Peter used to work at the front desk, as you know. Pete, right? We should say we should say Peter the Giant, who is uh, one, one, uh, of of life from the well. You guys know Pete. <laughs> so he used to work at the front desk at the hotel, and uh, we had a very flamboyant guest who really paid a lot of attention to Peter. But I think there was like an age difference of about you know, 10, 40 years. But uh, Peter, you know, humored the guy. The guy flirted back and 
mm-hmm. you know, Peter didn't flirt. He just kind of took it and he did his cheesy Peter thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the guy calls the hotel front desk and wants some extra towels brought up. So not really paying attention to the room number. We send Peter up there. <laughs> 40 minutes later, we're getting a little concerned. So I get Peter on the radio and I say, yeah, you need to come back to the front desk. Uh, I'll be right there. Ten minutes later, he finally shows up. I was like, what the hell happened? He said, it was that guy. He called me up there. He trapped me in the room. I was sitting in this room and he's sitting there with nothing but a robot. He was just trying to, <laughs> you know, show me stuff. So thank God you got me on the radio. Why didn't you call me sooner? He said, eh, we wanted you to steal a little bit. <laughs> Does he, he doesn't know how to end a conversation? He has to be like, no. hey, have a good day, sir. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, this guy's posing on the bed, you know, it's just a robe and his uh-huh. eyes open all of a sudden here and there. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Peter's like, man. Peter's like humoring him, not knowing, not knowing. Yeah. yeah. This is not a time to crack some jokes, Peter. It's time to leave. They, give him the towels, you know. When a guy asks you to come into the room, that's what we talked about earlier, Joey, about checking mm-hmm. your environment. Yeah. Uh, Kind of thing around the room. <laughs> yeah. And the first don't thing, if he opens on. the door and says, come on in, and he's wearing nothing but a bathrobe, you don't come on in. You stay right there. Say, <laughs> so, sorry, I need to... Uh, Clothe up. <laughs> and I need to get back to my job. But I think <laughs> I think we kind of knew that it was the room, so we just kind of let it stew a little bit. Sure. Well, I mean, especially knowing that it was Peter, too. You gotta go, you're just like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> You, you gotta you gotta let them dance a little bit. Yeah. Dance, monkey, dance. Mm-hmm. So That's we had a, a couple of deaths at the hotel too. That's always a weird one. Yeah. Yeah, that can, be, that can be. That can they all were. That can be a that can be like a, a strange thing to have to deal with at a job that normally doesn't have to deal with that kind of thing, right? Well, the fun fact that I learned in security is that forty percent of deaths that happen in the workplace happen in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. You're not feeling good. All of a sudden, you're kind of queasy. Your head hurts. Where do you go? You go to the bathroom. Splash some water yeah. on. Take a dump. Whatever. How? That's where you have your aneurysm, your stroke, your heart attack, and you're down. So if you're never feeling good at work, don't go to the bathroom. People don't go in there and find you. <laughs> oh, I'm serious. No, I had a lady at Microsoft who died in the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. She left to go to the bathroom at noon. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew where she was. Right just, uh, poor she was the bath- yeah, she was in the bathroom. She died on the toilet. That's not the, how you want to go. Yeah, but there were probably the other issues there, right? That wasn't just like it wasn't just because she was in the bathroom. That's just where she was found. Well, I don't think her. She didn't die of bathroom causes. Well, she died of a brain injury. I mean, loss of a coin could have been caused by excessive pushing or you know something else, but. Trying to poop so hard that she died. It could happen. It's happened before. Hmm. I'm pretty certain it has. <laughs> Tragic. Tragic. I'm, 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 take your probiotics, kids. That's the lesson to take out of there. Sure you Yogurt do. is your friend. Magnesium helps, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, deaths are something that people don't normally handle at work. I mean, you don't yeah. handle that a lot. Um, but in security... I don't, know if ever, I don't want to knock on wood. I've had... Post calls? I think, yeah. I'd, I mean, I had, I had someone like pass out right in front of me um, on a busy Friday night. Like she was sitting there with her husband eating dinner and then they were all done. And then 
she just kind of went, oh, and just kind of fell forward. And her husband was like shaking her and the ambulance came and took her, but she was awake by the time they pulled her out. I, I don't know, I've been fortunate though. I mean, I've worked at places where there's been like shootings. I just, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I, I was fortunate enough to not be working those shifts, you know, or, you know, just, just miss things here and there. But it's definitely something that kind of looms, looms around, especially in the bar industry, I guess, you know, there's, there's in always- any, any industry, you get somebody die and work. Yeah, but you know, we've, we've got, you know, it's, it's, it's a depressant and, and bathrooms that walk and, you know, there's always, especially downtown in a city with drug problems, you know, there's always issues, but that's just, you know, it's, it's just another part of life, right? Yeah. Well, I've had five people die on me and three of them I saved. Not yeah. personally, well, somewhat. Nice. That's yeah. Cool. One guy, you know, the AEDs, have you ever used an AED? Other than training, mm-hmm. tell you what: if your business doesn't have one, get one. What is it? It will make a difference. Artificial electronic defibrillator. Oh, okay, yeah, I've never used one of those. Yep, put it on there, plug it in. <laughs> this one, you just kind of slap it on there, and it does it for you. It tells you when to push the button, and push the button. Or you just like peel the tab, like peel and stick kind of things. Yes. So yeah, you've seen them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four thousand yeah, dollars. I've been. Uh, I've been versed on them working in different places. I think in the hotel even, I think they showed mm-hmm. us how to use them. They're simple devices. They're about three to $4,000. So mm-hmm. they're not, someone's life. you know, but oh, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Huge difference. And I think every business should, you know, have their employees trained with it and as well as have one on the facility. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Life and death, right? Absolutely. And what kind of customer service is that when you can actually save their life? That's that's making customer loyalty right there. That's that's a that's a guaranteed return visit for sure. You know, no, no, Mr. Jefferson, you you owe us a life boom. We'll you see you even, next week. You might even get a positive Yelp review. Review. Yeah, if I don't get five stars after that, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> Four stars. They broke my rib when they gave me the Heimlich. My brother told me about that once. He said he was doing CPR on somebody, mm-hmm. and he, he broke their sternum, and his hand went all the way, and he says it fell all, all the way down. And he got back up and looked up the EMT, and the guy goes, it's okay, keep going. We've all done it. <laughs> keep those lungs going. Because it just oh. made it a lot easier for you to push. <laughs> it's true. Oh, my God. Ugh. Can you imagine waking up with a broken sternum, though? Yes. I guess, but also, it's better than not waking up. That's true. Mm-hmm. You gotta learn to appreciate the small things in that moment. <laughs> that's always gets me too. So you hear about these stories about these people who are get saved by other, you know, bar employees, restaurant employees, and then they turn around and sue the company. Mm-hmm. Well, there's like Good Samaritan law now, right? Where they where you can actually like you can't be sued by someone trying to save your life. I say now, like that's a new thing. I feel like it's a pretty old thing. Well, doesn't it only affect the person, but not the company that they represent? Probably, yeah, so you can still go after the company even though the person's safe. Oh. To cover like medical costs and whatnot. I mean, shit, that wouldn't even be an issue if we had healthcare in our country. Agreed. <laughs> Basic human needs. <clears throat> all for the gain of the almighty dollar. Right? Cat's playing with the ball. It's not yours, is it? My cat, not my ball. It's his ball. He's allowed to play with it. 
Minor give me the hear a little bell ringing in the background. That's a little minor staring at me in the hallway and wondering what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So uh, over over the years, we, I guess we talked a little bit about some, some regulars. Do you have any other good regular stories about about fun people, or what what's the grossest thing you've had to deal with? Grossest thing I've had to deal with is I got a call one morning from a guest in her fitness center. Mm -hmm. Said there's two naked people sleeping outside of her hot tub in front of the fitness center. So I went down there, the verified sure shit, naked guy, naked woman sleeping on the floor or sleeping around the, the hot tub in front of the window where the machines are facing out the window on the treadmills. <laughs> of course, you know, her ass is just glory to be, right? And there's five guys all on the fucking treadmill who probably normally wouldn't be there. <laughs> They're like five miles into the day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, doing like twenty mile runs and stuff. Yeah. Like, oh my I'm god! But they, they were had the towels to dry themselves off or attempt to, and she was all nasty and she shit herself, and it was just a gross. And, oh, it was like, Ew. oh my god, really, oh. really? And you're, Done. and I found out they're not even guests. Oh, they just snuck into the area? Yeah, they snuck in to use the hot tub. <laughs> I was like, good Lord, now I've got to shut the thing down, disinfectant. God knows where you guys oh, have no. been. You know, you <sighs> shocked one customer. You gave us five-star reviews for the other five. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's like one five-star five five-star review, five, five reviews and one one-star review. Yeah. Probably balances itself out, right? You end up, you end up still in the four-star area with that. Yeah, the average is out like four and a half. <laughs> Gross. It's I had funny. one guy screaming around the hotel looking for his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Apparently got into a fight and she left. So he thought he or she was at the hotel. She left the hotel and he just was like wandering around looking for Marilyn, her. Marilyn, where are you? Uh, Marilyn's not here. <laughs> Marilyn, I know you're here. <laughs> like, Ten calls. Would you shut that motherfucker up? <laughs> Marilyn. Oh. Uh, she's at the double tree. Yeah, she's at the other hotel. Oh man. Last, yeah, so you when you worked at the hotel, you, you worked the um should probably preface this. So you were always there from like midnight until eight AM or something like that. Usually about eleven to eleven to seven. Eleven to seven. So you really got like I remember so Garrett. I didn't say this earlier. Gary and I worked together. I don't know if you could gather that to the listeners from from our conversation. We we were we spent some time together in the same building, um, and so I would I would usually be ending my nights as he was beginning his, and so we had a lot of uh, cross cross shift or crossovers in our shift where we hang out for a little while and chat and 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 uh, yeah, we worked at at the hotel down down uh, near the airport in Washington. Um, and so there's there's definitely a fun um, community of people down there, and and like you said, Gary Woodwork, the 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 swing shift or the overnight or the what whatever you call that. Um, so he, he he definitely got to interact with probably some some real characters. He would be busy, but oh my god, no no one night was ever the same. <laughs> yeah. We, we were watching car problems. We pulled up in a car. One mm -hmm. guy got out in the back and was checking out the cars. So I rolled up with the uh, shuttle. 
hotel mm-hmm. shuttle. The guy started to back up. And says, he leans out the window and goes, oh, I'm backing up. It's just not very far. The police are coming. So then he tries to ram into the shuttle. Oh, so I back up and I block the way. He pops out. And between the one hotel and the double tree, there's that walkway. Mm-hmm. Remember? Mm-hmm. They took the car down that walkway. There's a little bridge. They can't get too far, can they? No, there's a stairwell. Remember the little oh, stairs yeah. that goes down? Yeah. yeah. Went down the stairs, took mm-hmm. up the front end, and then took and rammed it out of the fence to get through the double tree. Uh, <laughs> they left their front end in the double tree parking lot. With a license plate on it so you could track them down? Unfortunately, it was stolen from the dealership. Yeah. That's why they didn't give a shit. Yeah, fair enough. That's crazy, though. They just plowed their way through the woods. Yeah, they just plowed the double wow. tree. Like, Dude, they got away. Focus, you're not going over. You're not. You, you can't. No, no, stop. No, all right, you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. You guys probably sitting there watching on the security camera. Oh yeah, he, he loves watching them. He that's his that's his shtick. He, he on the radio watching it all happen. Yeah, I, I pulled drunk people out of the pond. There. Um, no man, yeah, I remember pulling a few people out. Yeah. Of the pond there. Oh, do you remember that wedding where the bride's um, father got in fight with one of the uh, groomsmen? Luke was the best man. I don't I know swear you were working that. I might have been there. That was funny. It was like this huge redneck wedding. <laughs> God, that was so funny. That's funny. I don't think I was. I'm gonna like, kick your ass. I'm gonna kick your ass. I mean, oh, nobody's man. kicking anybody's ass. Get your teeth. Grab your fucking cans of beer. Let's go. <laughs> Back to your room. Get your emotions under control. Sober up. It's the. Uh... And one guy had all of his stuff stolen from a prostitute. Oh, in the hotel. Called the front desk, and, you know, so I've been robbed. Oh my god, I'm so sorry to hear. You want us to call the police? No, <laughs> uh, details are sketchy. Yeah, so <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? You're just calling me for sympathy? <laughs> yeah, you, I, I'm not gonna let you borrow my pants. Yeah. I've got some toiletries you could use if that'll help. He's <laughs> like, I got five bucks for the bus if you have to get somewhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll give you a ride to the local <laughs> McDonald's, but, you know, I, I'm not really following why you're calling me then if you don't want me to call the police for you. Man. That happens more than a lot of people realize, and that's a yeah. sad thing. What guys get fleeced by, by the Janes? The yeah. Johns get fleeced by the Janes? Stay <laughs> off back page. It's not good. Oh, if we legalized sex work, there would probably be a lot less of that too. So it would be, wouldn't it be uh, uh, regulated a little more, right? Isn't that the, the thought behind it? Well, I mean, if the state of Nevada has done it successfully for over, what, 80 years? Mm-hmm. Why can't any other state? The country of Amsterdam and other places. I don't know. I'm going to say. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's definitely something that, Needs to be reformed. That whole, the, the whole, the whole way we look at that and treat that. I would have thought that prostitution would have been legalized way before marijuana. Yeah, I you mean, know, the only thing you're hurting is marriages, and guys do that on their own. And even then, like that's just—I mean, it's it's no—it's nothing extra. 
Like it's not gonna like the people that are. I don't know. Like yeah, it's just it's hard uh, to have because <laughs> that there's a lot of there's a lot of feet that I could put in my mouth. I think in, in the next few sentences, and so I might just pull back from that. But but I also see both sides of the argument because of sex trafficking and things like that. There's, but it would cut back on sex trafficking, I think, just because there would be some sort of regulation in it. You know, once you take once you take the control out of the criminal's hands, you know, then hopefully you can move forward. I mean, there there's been it's it's been it's been done, you know, in the past, and and I think you end up with people that can actually declare incomes and that can go see doctors, you know because they're not scared of being judged versus, you know. Or you, you have the prostitute who pays the taxes to the state who can get medical insurance mm -hmm. through the state. Because now it's health insurance because of right. you know, a living wage. You know, it may not be something you want to do personally, but it's something that someone else does where they, where they find that they have value to give, you know. Well, we'll see. We'll see how that goes and where that goes in the world. That's it's a million-dollar deal. We'll start our own brothel then. Yeah, it's it's another one I'm sure that I could probably get educated a little better on before I take it take down too much, but I, I do feel morally that there's there's a lot of conversation to be had um, around around human rights and how to treat people like people rather than like creatures. But. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, so, how about um, self care? Um, stress. It's a stressful ass world stressful ass life you know i, I know we all in the last four months i think uh we've all experienced uh, a lot of intense life altering events um i, I think like tenfold I, I i know i mean i'm not putting you on blast or anything right i know that everybody's kind of has their own experiences right so on the other side of that or, or in response to that rather um where do you find your balance in, in the chaos? You know, when when the shit's going down and, and things are stressful, like how do you, or just on a day to day, you know, of, of kind of staying staying level. You know, what's your what's your stress relief? So, lost my job. Mm -hmm. Almost lost my house. Marriage ended. Things just couldn't be any worse. But I am happy as hell. Mm -hmm. I am why? ecstatic. Why? Tell me why. Yeah, I, a lot of people. I think I, I love that perspective because you're you're focusing on, on you know, on, on good things. And I, I think all, I think all of this, all this stuff, mm -hmm. is here to make us feel uncomfortable because we've been too set in our ways. We're too comfortable. I was too comfortable working in the hotel for 14 years, no chance of promotion. Mm -hmm. Unhappy marriage. I, I, you know, I was comfortable, but I wasn't comfortable sure. Comfortable to challenge ourselves, right? Exactly. But there was nothing I was complacent with my life. Mm -hmm. Now that everything's all, also all tits up and just gone fire, mm -hmm. now I get to do things all over it's it's like building a lego castle hmm. and then having your kid's sister come in and smash it all down <laughs> and, and now you pissed off yeah you pissed off at first but then you build it all better again you've made improvements where you saw flaws before mm -hmm. 
you it's do really empowering that they, they have that that point of view too you know to just look at it all as 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 a uh, is restructuring and finding you know re reinforcing where, where things may not have been good before um education systems do it all the time businesses mm -hmm. re restructure all the time you know sometimes the human life needs to have some sort of restructuring sure i get you know, that it's very real i'm hiking more I mean, I, I swore I would never hike after I got out of the Marines. <laughs> now I'm finding it's really, really fun. You know, a word my mom, one of the things my mom used to tell me was, was never say never because, uh, because the, you know, the, she would say God likes to prove you wrong. We say God, the world, just, just experience <laughs> whenever, yeah. you, you feel like whenever you make a hard stand against something like, I'm never going to do that. That's usually like something you end up doing within the next five years <laughs> well god's got a sick sense of humor i'll put sure. that out there right now sure sure but no there are a couple things that i've never seen that before mm -hmm. i'll never shoot heroin okay that's good never put a gerbil up my ass <laughs> maybe he'll hang out with your gear and he'll tell you why what, yeah what that's probably another thing that i will never <laughs> plan on doing never hang out with your gear I, I respect what your mom's saying, though. Never say never because you've always got to, you know. I think she she would just say it as, like, you don't want to close yourself off to opportunity, too, right? Because, like, might, something might suck during one part of your life. You make a new perspective and learn to, you know, find new beauty in it, right? Which you've probably done with hiking. Oh, that's, a little that's bit. true. I mean. <laughs> you at least have the opportunity to. I, I mean, I've experienced it one way. But then I've experienced it the new way, the way it's supposed to have been enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of things that you can look at in two different ways. You know, it's just like the Ben Kenobi. You know, everything's different from your point of view. Mm -hmm. You know, necessarily not everything's evil and not everything is good. It just depends on the point of view you're looking at. A perspective. Yeah, you've got seven and a half million Muslims who would say Sharia law has saved their lives in their communities. Mm -hmm. Then you got another, you know, Two and a half billion in Europe and Western America who say the Sharia law should be banned forever. Mm -hmm. Who's wrong and who's right? Yeah. You know, again, it depends on your point of view. Yeah. Um, some people look at my life and it's like, oh my God, Gary, I'm so sorry. I'm like, why? Do I have something on my face? <laughs> no. This is this is it. This is how I'm I'm managing, I'm coping it, and the fact that I'm excited to see what other options I have out there. And that's yeah. what keeps me going every morning I wake up. That's awesome. I love that. I love that perspective of, of just, uh, of, uh, say, I would say optimism, but just opportunity, right? You, you have, you now have a chance to recreate and, and, and move forward and, and, and invest in, you know, things that are good for you and things that will Absolutely. benefit you. Absolutely. So, so your self-care, your stress management, hiking, has been one of those things. Hiking, unfortunately, yeah. I picked up smoking again. I'm trying to try to quit that. No, that's not self care. That's self damaging. I got, I got, yes. a, I got a, not, I got a docky on that one. All right. Um, <laughs> doing a lot more with my kids. That's, um, that's definitely good. Um, I'm eating a lot better. A lot better. Very I nice. actually have fruits and vegetables in my refrigerator. Beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. Brooke would approve. Yes. <laughs> so. You know, and I'm waking up early. I'm going to bed early. I'm not staying up. I, I have never realized how important sleep is until I became a diabetic. It's funny because we've all heard that that idiom probably our entire lives. 
and and yet we we do our best to fight against it. You know what I'm saying? Early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? And see, for me, for 20 years, I've been working at night, so I'd sleep during the day. Mm-hmm. And that's against all natural causes of sure. man, and it's, it's hard. It is. But, it's harder on your body, too. Shift work is. is taxing on, on our physical bodies because you're you're fighting against your body's natural want to, to sleep at night and be awake during the day with the sun and but I have the numbers that show how my body's getting better. My blood sugar mm-hmm. drops down. My blood pressure's down yeah. to normal. That's it's awesome. A huge difference. And I said, I tell them, my kids, go to bed, go to sleep. Oh, Dad, shut up, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to play some Call of Duty. Blah. No, look, my blood sugar went down. My, I've lost 75 pounds. I haven't changed the way I've eaten. I've just gone to fucking sleep. Mm-hmm. Care so recovery time is very crucial, I've I found. Um, well, and as we're getting older, we don't regenerate as good as we did when mm-hmm. we were in our 20s and early late teens. Yeah. But it gives your body a chance to process everything that we've got. Mm-hmm. And it's made a huge difference. I mean, just being able to sleep until 730 in the morning, I know it's unheard of for me. <laughs> but then going to bed at 10 o'clock at night doesn't yeah. seem unreasonable. Mm-hmm. I wake up, and I feel great. I feel refreshed. My blood sugar's down. My heart's doing great. That's I go awesome. out, have a cup of coffee, take a walk. Mm-hmm. Go. Nice man. That's great. That's so. I, I'm. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. Like you, it seems like you, you're really investing in, in just the things that are they're good for you, right now. Well, it's and I think the problem well, is. I mean, my, it feels it feels good too, right? Feels great. What it what it it's it. It pisses me off at the same time, though. It's like, and you've probably been in the same boat as I am. You hear all this, and you yeah, whatever. You know, whatever. Oh, yeah, okay, you're right. But, you know, but until you all of a sudden you see your improvements, and you look at the numbers, it shows the improvements. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, it's like a holy shit moment. Yeah. And it's like, I can't deny this. Yeah. I can't deny that eating the carrots and, 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 you know, going to bed is not helping me because it fucking is. Mm-hmm. I can't deny it. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. The diet, rest, exercise, those are like some of the, 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 the key pieces of like a good structured life, I think, you know. It's amazing how, how much better we feel when, when we're putting like food into our body that like is working for us, not against us. And at first you don't like even benefiting think us. We don't have to like defend ourselves. Right. From it. And at first you don't think about it, but then, like I said, once I've solved a hard copy paper, this is actually saving your life and your soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Raises your quality of life. You can walk with a smile on your face. Yeah. Or I can walk. You can I can walk. see my feet. Yeah. I realize I have knees now. That's a step. It's fucking awesome. I got, I got 50 more pounds to go, and then I'm going to be at my high school level weight. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to awesome. work on the guns a little bit more. Yeah. Boom. Gun show. Got a little burn on mine. Oh. That's right. It was just from the oven. Couldn't. Well, I didn't think Brooke was doing things to you. No, not, nothing uh, I don't want to happen. <laughs> it sounds like a topic for another conversation. <laughs> uh, on that note, um, 
along where the whiskey went. <laughs> Um, so I, I want to jump to our teachable moments section. So it's weird right now because um, COVID, <laughs> everything's weird. It's, it's, it's affected our, our, us a little bit, but like, I, I think um, the teachable moments is just kind of where we sit and, and try to uh, constructively help the industry without bitching, <laughs> right? You know, just, you know, uh, there, there's, there's something that, it's not even something ever. It just might be like an annoying trait that you that you see that that is somewhat common around, or 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 just something that you feel could be done better. Personal fucking hygiene should be the lesson for twenty twenty. <laughs> you don't shower your ass. You don't fucking wipe your butt. You don't wash your hands. Mm -hmm. This is the stuff that comes back to haunt you. It's true. Personal hygiene. I will say this: um, I have noticed, that, that, well, in my own life, even that. Uh, it, well, so fortunately, since I've gotten back to work, I have a reason to shower almost every day now. But man, there, is there was that gap. always a reason to shower every day, John. <laughs> That's what COVID nineteen is trying so to tell easy. you. I, I tell you, in, in the in the first like two months there, there were there was definitely a few times where I was like three. Four days? Jesus. I should I should bathe before I go. Seriously? I was like taking two showers a day. <laughs> yeah, you know, you just kinda get through I it. I look like a fucking rain victim in there. A few days later, you're like, get it off. Thanks. You're like, oh that's me. I should probably yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I really, whatever. The rule of thumb that I was taught power. that if you can smell yourself, uh -huh. there are five other people that can smell you ten feet away. You said that, but there's only one other person I live with, and, and until she complains, then uh, I don't. I, I, well, she's nice to me, so. Do the cats jump up and, pay, and play on your lap anymore? They, honestly, the cats like. So, like, if I go to the gym or, or go running or something, really? and I throw the, the, the on the floor in front the of the cats, wall, tell you that they love your smell. They curl up in it. Yeah, they yeah. like it. So if, if they're, it actually gets me more attention. I think if I if I stink. By, from the animals and so yeah and when you're asleep they probably clean you <laughs> wake up and, like licking my face the little sandpaper tongues no seriously i think with COVID 19 mm -hmm. and the whole 20 year 2020 mm -hmm. personal hygiene has been the focus of everything sure Keep your distance wash Absolutely. your hands mm -hmm. they don't you know people focus on that wash your hands wash your body wash your ass wash your feet Wash, wash, wash. We have all these products out there. I, I should say this, Gary. I do have a bidet. So skipping showers for four days, I still have a clean butt. <laughs> so it's not as bad. That's what I'm saying. It's just the armpits for the most part. All right. Well, I mean, it's 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 a it's a, it's an answer. I think it helps. They're pretty great. They just they make them like they just attached to your toilet now, so you can just get one for like thirty bucks and uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. All right, well, I don't want to be snorting water, so I'll use my toilet paper. Thank you. Use, you use the toilet paper to dry off. You just squirt, squirt, and dry off, and you clean, clean as a whistle. How do you know? Wait, no, I don't know. That's not that was rhetorical. Don't answer that question. I don't. I don't want to know how you know that your butthole is clean. 
I, I don't want to know anything about that. We'll just that way you always know. No, no, no. You don't always know. And I don't want to know how you know. And I'm afraid that I've opened up a nightmare. That's no. <laughs> so, so hygiene. I like that. Hygiene is a good teachable moment. It's something that people should be aware of, especially if you're working with general public. So, especially now in COVID because hand washing, but I mean, that's always something that's kind of been important for the service industry is hand But here's even more important, is that between the ages of 18 and 24, mm -hmm. staphylococcal meningitis is the number one killer of college students and diseases. The what? Cockle meningitis. Hmm. Number one college kid killer. It is that just not bathing? It's exactly it, because they don't shower enough in college. They don't clean that funk off him. That's why I told my son, I said, he's going to college. I said, you need to fucking shower. I don't give a shit if there's no hot water. I said, you get that staph infection from somebody that you're touching, somebody's stuff that you're wearing that's sweated yeah. in it, you're going to get that. And it used to, when you were 10, give you a, a cold and, and a sore throat. When you're 20, it'll kill you. Yeah. This is not something that they joke around about. Gross. Yeah, so bathe. Huh? So bathe. Gross. Yeah, bathe. Use soap. Use Buy a washcloth. Use also, a fucking sock. Cold, cold showers are great for you, by the way. Like, oh, there, there's there's like science around around uh, cold cold therapy, like ice therapy, doing cold plunges, cold showers. Um, it 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 actually. Um, it, it's as in, it's more invigorating than a cup of coffee. I think uh, for for me, like to to do uh, like a, a two or three minute cold. I'll do the whole shower hot. I'll get it as hot as I possibly can stand it, to the point where the cold shower is almost welcome, right? And then I'll and then I'll do a cold rinse. I'll rinse all like the, the conditioner or whatever out of my hair with the cold water because cold water is better for your your hair, anyways. I slept um, with something cold for many many years. I enjoy my hot showers. <laughs> I'm still saying though, it, you'd be it, it's a uh, there's just look into Wim Hof if you haven't heard of Wim Hof. No, you're absolutely right. Cold, cold water therapy. He's done around cold therapy and and, and uh, it's pretty it's pretty insane. It's it's good for your immune system. So actually, the uh, cold showers right now are, are something that will actually help um, in this time of COVID. Um, sure, but <laughs> check it out. Sweet, let's. Uh, we're we're around in the corner here, my friend. Um, get into last call for alcohol. You have an, uh, uh, a last call drink. Be my Belgian style dark ale from Bourbon Barrel. Delightful. Brian, do you have a drink? We should acknowledge uh, Den Mother is not with us today. We have the lost kitty, as as Kelly so affectionately calls him. Uh, <laughs> Brian with an eye, as I like to say. Uh, he's, he's, he's standing in for Kelly today and making sure our audio is on point. Uh, you got a drink, bud? Yes. Nice. Cheers. This is my Jameson shot glass. I'm drinking tequila out of it. Delightful. Um, so that, um, so last call. So that's our shot. And now it's your shot. <laughs> to uh, to promote anything you want to promote or, or or shout out to any anyone you see worthy of shouting out. So I think with that, I'll get another drink to my UPS drivers. 
Those guys are working hard to make sure you guys get your the ups potential guys. packages. <laughs> so to the lady who lost her package from her essential package from lovers, <laughs> your dildo will probably be arriving on Thursday. <laughs> Next time ship it in second day air. Same yeah. so urgent. You never know. For you somebody. Know. So Man. Somebody puts next day on on a dildo. You gotta think there's there's something. My UPS drivers go through a lot, so shout out to my UPS drivers. Hey, thanks, ups guys. I I love my UPS driver. He's he's like one of the friendliest guys that come that I see in my neighborhood. And he's got a Seahawks twelve on his van, and I always wave at him, and he always says hi when he's in the building. I don't know his name, but uh, shout out to UPS drivers in general, and all the delivery drivers out there. They're uh, they're an underappreciated crew that are helping us get all of our shit. More now than ever. <laughs> More now than ever. Um, right on. Shout out to the shout out to the delivery guys. UPS specific, right, Gary? Because that's you. Um, any social media blast, or do you want to stay hidden? Yeah, blast away. Okay, find you online at. Uh, God, I don't even remember my own media. Gary Smith on Facebook. Yeah, that'll work. Gary, you can find Gary on Instagram probably if you, if you look hard enough. He's there. I don't post a lot of shit. People don't want to know who I am. I'm sure we'll tag you in our post when this episode comes out. <laughs> um, cool. Awesome. Well, that wraps up One More Life from the Well. Um, thank you to all of you guys for listening, our listeners. We love you guys. Um, thank you to Gary, for coming on and sharing your stories. Um, I love you, man. Uh, it's I love you, so man. good to talk to you. <laughs> I, um, that's, I, I don't know. I love reconnecting with my friends. And so it's, it's nice to, to have this intentional time where, where I get to sit down and, and, and talk to people. It's, uh, it's And we great. didn't get in trouble this time. Right? Yeah. We can't get in trouble because I'm the boss. Technically. Well, even though Kelly said Brian was in charge. But I, I do own the LLC and the bank account as company. So technically... <laughs> whatever who cares it's a lenient guy um uh thank the guests for listening thank you for coming on thank you to the den mother kelly who's not here today but but she's really our lifeblood and, and the backbone of what we do thank you to brian and to pete the giant um working ever so diligently out there as, a, as an essential employee making sure that people stay uh, intoxicated um, in one way or another. And he's actually been getting more people drunk than I have over the last four months. And so respect to that. Um, shout out to the sponsors, to Barfly Mixology Gear for providing uh, quality bar equipment. And shout out to Scratch Distillery. If you're out in Edmonds, swing by. Their tasting room is open and they have seating on the patio now. So you can, you can uh, go have some uh, delicious Scratch spirits out um, in the sunshine social distance with your mask on and all that fun stuff. But um, they're, they're finding a way to make it through this pandemic and hats off to that. Uh, so until, until next time, cheers to you all. We love you guys and we'll talk to you soon. Um, don't drink and drive, but no need you're driving. So just be good. Bye. Thanks for listening to Life from the Well, full of service industry stories and cocktail history. If you like our show and want to know more, check out lifefromthewell.com. Life from the Well would also like to thank our sponsors, Scratch Distillery and Barfly Mixology Gear. Join us next time for another new cocktail and guest.